initially, you know, he might be a little timid when it comes to certain activities, especially in activities involving water. But over time, he gets used to it. He gets desensitized and it becomes less and less something to be afraid of. So I think for Simon, in terms of training him to go in the water and and do water sports, it's just been repetition. Join us as we chat to amazing cat explorers and experts. Learn from them, listen to their war stories, celebrate their wins, and laugh at the funny moments that have been a part of their journey. Welcome to Season 5 of the Cat Explorer Podcast. I'm Asara. And I'm Daniel. We've got some really exciting episodes coming up this season, including this one, starting off with Backpacking Kitty Simon. So you know the drill. We would love it if you could take a screenshot of your phone, share it to your Instagram stories, tag us at catexplorer.community and our amazing guest Simon at Backpacking Kitty. And we'd love to hear what you think of this episode and your main takeaways. This episode is brought to you by the new Wee Kitty Eco Plant Litter. The new Wee Kitty Eco Plant by Rufus & Coco is made from sustainable and naturally absorbent wheat and soy fibers. It's the natural litter for cats who care and the humans who love them. Reduce your carbon paw print and make the switch. Head to www.weekitty.com to find a store near you and for your chance to win a year's supply of kitty litter. We're not going to lie. We let out a yelp of excitement when we heard today's guest was confirmed for our interview. JJ and Simon are definitely adventurous cat explorers. JJ and his backpacking kitty, Simon, go hiking, kayaking, stand-up paddle boarding, whitewater rafting, rock climbing, and so much more. On top of that, JJ takes some amazing videos and photos of their adventures that we just love seeing on social media. We're so excited to chat to JJ today. Welcome to the podcast, JJ. Thanks for having me. So we'd love to hear about Simon. How did he come into your life? Simon came into my life by an accident. I was recently going through a couple other trial cats beforehand, um, which were given to me and taken away from me at the time. Um, Long story. But when I first got Simon, it was pretty much by a fluke. My landlord at the time had some rescue kittens that he said, I either take one or they're going to be put to sleep. And I did not want that. I did not want a cat at that point. And so, but I felt, I felt that I was in a position where I had to take a cat or it'd be put to sleep. So I, I um, reluctantly picked Simon. And when I first got him, he was an absolute disaster. I actually named him Diablo because he was um, just one of the worst cats I'd ever been around. Didn't want uh, me near him. He just constantly meowed. And that's kind of how it was for the first couple days. And uh, I wasn't really sure if he was going to become a loving cat. I, I just had never experienced um, such a disastrous cat before. So I didn't really know how to handle him. Um, luckily though, within a couple of days, he mellowed out and he became the, 
um, affectionate cat that we all know of today as Simon. That's so awesome. Did you do anything or did he do anything that helped him mellow out in that way? I'm not exactly sure how he was raised um, before I received him. He was only a couple weeks old, so I'm not sure why he was so scared and and why he was so nervous around me. Um, but I just, you know, did what I normally do when I'm around cats. I uh, just showed him a lot of love and attention. And within a couple days, he came around. And when he came around, it was a lot at once because he just would not stop uh, rubbing his face on, on my face. And he just wanted just to just jump, uh, jump on me. And, uh, you know, he wanted so much attention. Um, so it was kind of a, um, kind of a sudden and surprising sort of change. Um, and he eventually mellowed out from that excitement. Um, and to this day, I'm still kind of curious why he was so scared at first. Um, I really don't know. Because uh, I never talked to the previous um, people who had rescued or who had seen these cats, these rescue kittens. So I have no idea. So you've told us that Simon is now such a lovable cat. And I could also add that he's a black cat. What else is there that you could tell us about Simon? Simon's very vocal. He very He's very good at communication. You always know he's around. He is extremely social. Uh, a lot of characteristics that Simon has are in a lot of ways unusual for a cat. And I think that's what makes him stand out, especially when I have people over. Um, when I have friends over, they're always very curious about Simon because he's um, not like any cat they've ever met before. He's he's almost dog-like. And um, a lot of my friends who maybe are not that keen on cats uh, find Simon to be quite lovable. And uh, that's almost always, I don't even know if it's, um, if I ever even encounter the opposite, but the response that I get with Simon with people is um, they just, they instantly just love him because he, he is very human-like. And, and uh, I think also with him always wearing his clothes, it strengthens that even more so. Mm, that does make sense. I love that he's also helping change perceptions of what people think of cats as well, because I think we all know there's a stereotype for cats, so it's really lovely to know that he's helping change those perceptions. And in the intro, we mentioned some of the types of cat exploring you guys do. Do you mind telling us what kinds of cat exploring you do? When I first got Simon within the first uh I always just say first couple of days, we started to go outside and go hiking. And Simon obviously loves the outdoors. And the reason why he's not an outdoor cat, meaning letting him freely go outside, is because we live in the mountains and there are a lot of predators around that can make a meal of Simon whether it be a fox or a coyote or a mountain lion or even an eagle. So I make sure to keep a close eye on Simon. And if he does go outside, 
um, then, you know, I, I go outside with him under supervision. And so that's kind of how we started going outside on our hikes. It was um, his it was our way to experience the outdoors since he can't just be outside uh, all the time. And um, I got him a leash and a harness, which eventually the harness became his his um, everyday attire. And it's and now he's kind of infamous for his his harness look. And we would go on various hikes uh, just around the Rocky Mountains where I live. And um, I think the, uh, taking Simon out on our activities has been kind of unusual for a lot of people to see because Colorado is a very popular place for uh, dogs. So a lot of people have dogs and they take their dogs on adventures and on outings. Um, but it's not every day that you see a cat on on these outings. So um, Simon's definitely turned many heads as we are hiking up a mountain. And um, in recent in recent months and years, we've we've um, taken our adventures to the next level. Um, so beyond just hiking and backpacking, uh, Simon's now sailing and he's kayaking, he's paddleboarding, he's mountain biking, he's even skiing and snowboarding. So there's really no adventure off limits for Simon. He really does it all. So then let's take it back to the beginning where he first started and you mentioned you got him a leash and a harness. What was the thought process as to why you decided to train Simon in that way to go cat exploring and how did you train him? It was the whole process was quite intuitive. I um, wanted a dog, but I don't like dogs. So (laughs) I wanted... See, originally, I wanted a big cat, and that's why I didn't want to adopt Simon, because I I already had a cat in mind that I was going to adopt, a Savannah cat. And so I, when I got Simon, I, I had already had in my mind that I was going to take him on adventures and, and hike with him and walk him. And that, and and I shouldn't say walk him because he's walking me, but um, (laughs) that was my, that was my original intention. And I wasn't trying to, uh, let's say, create a trend or anything like that. It was really just, I want to take my pet on, um, on adventures with me and it happens to be a cat. And that's what I wanted. (laughs) so that's what i did that's awesome and a savannah cat would be a lot bigger than simon i'm not sure whether they'd be able to fit on your shoulders yeah i you know i didn't think it through to that point that i you know i was gonna have a cat on my shoulders um i don't know if i've ever really envisioned that Mm. that just kind of naturally happens and yeah, now looking back at it, uh, having a Savannah cat wouldn't be the most practical uh, shoulder parrot, you know. So, mm. But I, I'm, I'm sure that people who do have Savannah cats have another method or do something else 
there's, we all find our ways. So, but I love that Simon kind of just came into your life and forced it on you. <laughs> so, w- one of the big things for me is the amazing water sports you do. And um, nowadays, Simon's quite a pro in, in and on the water. But how did you introduce him to being in and on the water in the beginning? With all the things that we that I that Simon and I have done, it's it's been about um, kind of taking small dips, small steps. Initially, you know, he might be a little timid when it comes to certain activities, especially in activities involving water. Um, but over time, he gets used to it. He gets desensitized and it becomes less and less something to be afraid of. So I think for Simon, in terms of training him to go in the water and, and do water sports, it's just been repetition. And just in the past year, you know, we went whitewater rafting for separate occasions um, and he was, we were actually doing whitewater rafting, um, overnight even. Um, so he's been just exposed to it a lot now. And that, um, has greatly helped him to become comfortable with it. That's pretty awesome. I actually wanted to ask you about the whitewater rafting because I was, um, watching a video and you guys are going through the, okay, I'm sorry. I don't know the right terminology, the water, the waves. White water. There we go. The rapids. Yes, that's the word. And it was actually splashing on you and things like that. How do you, and like Simon was just pretty relaxed on your shoulders. How do you, um, like, do you have him leashed on you while you are in the raft and you're going through those rapids or is there any safety precautions that you take? In terms of safety precautions, it, it, I definitely take uh, safety uh, into high consideration when we're rafting, there's lo- different levels of rafting that we're doing, and um, usually, usually the, the the rafting, the rapids are quite mild, so uh, he can freely move about the raft uh, without any problem. It's it's you know it's a, it's almost like a, a stable boat floating in the water, and mm-hmm. um, some of the rafts are really really big, so he can kind of um, find different places to to uh, just get comfortable and sit. Uh, when the rafts, when the rapids are a little bit more wild, um, I had him on my shoulder, and uh, I'll have um, I'll have my his leash in my hand, kind of holding him down, or not holding him down, but um, protecting him just in case. And if the rap the if the rapids were really really wild, he would be um, in my lap. I wouldn't be um, necessarily expected to paddle. So the times that mm-hmm. the the rapids were more wild, my focus was on Simon, uh, and it wasn't I wasn't trying to to both paddle and um, and protect him. And the thing to remember, as you mentioned, was that it's it takes small steps first to build up to those points, and that it's been repetition. So it's not like on the first day you've thrown you've gone into the deep end and tried these sort of things. It's been you know building that up and trying it and slowly just expanding your horizon in terms of what you're capable of. Yeah, it's well, all about baby steps when it comes to, when it comes to anything. What I want to talk about next is camping. It's a little less 
um, I suppose, thrilling when compared to rapids, but still pretty cool to see that you and Simon do go camping. What kind of setup do you have when you go camping with Simon? When I first went camping with Simon, the setup was I actually brought a litter box with us and I wasn't I wasn't sure if he was going to go to the bathroom inside the tent and I didn't want to find out. So I I actually brought a litter box with me and and one of the first times I took him camping, we actually were backpacking. So we actually carried all of the stuff. You know, I carried it all on my back um, several miles in. I think it was a, um, I think it was an out and back, maybe eight miles. And uh, that that was the first time. And I actually, it's even even more ridiculous because not only did I bring a litter box, but I actually brought a Nalgene bottle full of litter. Um, wow. So. <laughs> And again, like that would have been heavy on your back. So this is all the weight, all this weights on your back, you know, as you're carrying it. Um, so that was the first time. And then, you know, I, I, I bring his, his food with me and it's, it's not really that much of a different setup than if I was to go by myself or without Simon. And then now fast forwarding to the future, I've gotten a little bit more savvy with, uh, just gear and things to bring for him. And he actually now has his own harness where he can carry his own food. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, well, um, might as well make him hike in some of the food too. Uh, the only issue is that um, if I'm backpacking in, uh, a lot of times, he doesn't want to hike the whole way. So then he's on my shoulders. So even if he is carrying his own food, now he's carrying his own food on his back, which now he's on my back. <laughs> so it doesn't really help too much. <laughs> it's just a little bit. It helps. He known as backpacking kitty, by the way, too. Because yeah. yeah. uh, when we go backpacking, he rides on my shoulders. Yep, that makes sense. That's awesome. I love that you have him carrying his own food. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Actually, out of curiosity, what kind of food do you take with for him? Because I know that you're you're quite well known for having some awesome recipes that you cook for humans while you're exploring and out and about. But with him, what kind of food do you take for him? The type of food that I bring for Simon is primarily wet food. And, and that's what I... And how he eats at home is probably a little different than when we're backpacking. Um, But when we're backpacking, I have little uh, wet food containers that um, I'll bring for him. And and they're typically like in kind of perfect portion sizes. So if I open it up, serve him the food, it's like one serving per container. Um, That makes it easy terms of cleanup and mess a question i get a lot is why don't i feed him dry food and i i strongly discourage people from feeding their cats dry food uh, a lot of cat owners do um, they free free feed them they just kind of let the f- leave the food out there and um you, know, you got to look at food as 
food is a very significant thing in our in our own lives. Um, it is what keeps us alive and fueled. And um, you have to think about the your own food that you eat every day. And if uh, many of us um, don't even cook, so our connection to food is so um, so remote that um, it's really hard for us to have an understanding of what it is that we're eating and putting in our bodies. And so for the same sort of thing, um, food is very important for cats. And um, you really wanna strengthen that connection that the source of food is coming from you. And that is a very strong tool to train a cat, if you ever do wanna train a cat. Um, And uh, so, Feeding your cat wet food, um, first of all, gives them more hydration since a lot of times cats can be finicky when it comes to drinking water. And so that helps to keep your cat more hydrated. And then I find that um, wet food is just way healthier and way better uh, than dry food because dry food is typically processed um, where wet food, you can even make it yourself. And um so and so i find yeah and so many reasons um wet food to be better and then feeding your cat um in separate little portions throughout the day is is very helpful and i think that's why simon has um very much uh gotten more attached to me because i feed him every single meal so he knows that the only way he's going to get his food is is through me yeah i agree and um it's so interesting you bring that up, the free feeding versus the defined meals, because I'm not going to lie, when we first got our cats, they were free feeding, dr- eating dry food and things like that. And then I went to try and train them. So just do some clicker training, some fist bumps and things. And I found it really difficult. And we worked with Julie from cat school and um, realized that it was because we were free feeding them. And now we have the defined meals and the be- their behaviors improved so much more as well. And that's not something that I ever really expected to happen from changing their food and feeding schedule but it really does help yeah i agree it helps tremendously especially with weight control a lot of the cats that i come across that are overweight um, are typically overweight because they're being fed dry food and they're being free fed um simon is always at a really nice weight though um I should say he's almost always at a nice weight as long as I'm watching him. Uh, typically, when I there have been times when I have gone out of town and I come back um, and my house sitter has uh, <laughs> has overfed him um, because he is obsessed with food, so he can easily convince you to keep feeding him. Um, <laughs> so they give in. I don't give in, but. Um, you know, the house sitters give in, so. Yeah, yeah, he's got them wrapped around his paw for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you touched on something that actually um, I really wanted to chat about was also keeping our cats hydrated as well. How do you keep Simon hydrated while you're out and about? Because um, I know from our personal experience, our Noxie, she does not drink while she's out and about. I actually have started putting treats in water to try and get her to drink it. Um, do you do anything in particular to make Simon drink while you're outside? When we're outside, drinking is definitely an issue. Um, he is a black cat first off, so he's absorbing a lot more of that sun and he overheats quite easily. 
and uh, he doesn't like to drink water when we're outside. It's really hard to get him to drink water. And so that's, again, another reason why the wet food is kind of essential, especially when we're outdoors, um, because that's really the only way that he's going to get his um, his hydration a lot of times. I like your idea, though, with putting little treats in water. I've never actually tried that. I, and so that's something I could try to get him to drink some more water when we're outside. But, yeah, typically it's it's quite a struggle. And 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 that's why what I'll do usually is I'll um, dip my finger into water and then just, you know, swish it in his mouth to make sure that he can um, drink it because he, he just won't do it otherwise. It is quite a challenge to try and get them to drink water. And that's one of our big struggles when we do go out on adventures. Yeah. I was actually going to say, um, so we're currently recording this in February and we've just had a ridiculously hot summer here in Australia. So one thing to, tr- because I've been really worried about our cats not being hydrated even at home. So one thing I've actually been doing is putting water in, like hiding water in their wet food as well and just mixing it up. And that's actually worked really well to try and keep them drinking water because I've been finding that sometimes they just won't drink water even at home as well. So mm. maybe that's something like there's a way that you can hide it in there. He has no, he doesn't have a problem drinking water at at, at home. Mm. He he drinks a lot actually. Okay. Yeah. So luckily, but <laughs> the time that he needs to drink water is outside. Yep. Especially because. He's just gone and done a hike and, you know, he's gone on some of these crazy and exciting adventures. Yeah. Now, on the topic of comfort, we were talking about the wide variety of adventurous activities that Simon gets up to. And you mentioned a bit about his safety in terms of the leash and holding him in the raft and so forth. What do you do to make him comfortable, if anything? I I mean, for the most part, Simon's a pretty comfortable cat outside. And if he is distressed in any way uh i I typically let him use the backpack as a shield like he'll usually if it's really windy for instance i'll open the backpack on the ground and then he'll go in the backpack so he kind of he likes to use the backpack as like a shelter it's like his backpack carrier or putting like a blanket over him or like if it's really sunny, putting just a sheet over him will um, make him feel instantly safe. That's a really interesting one, especially to protect him from the sun. That's a good idea. I like we should do that actually. We've got white cats, so they get really sunburnt so oh. really easily. So a sheet actually would be a really good idea. We should try that and. I was watching a few of your videos and I noticed that sometimes Simon actually goes cat exploring off-leash and off-leash cat exploring is something that a lot of members in our community are trialing or they're thinking about. Is that something that you trained Simon to do or did you train him in particular skills like recall training to do that? And how did you train him to do that if you did any of those things? I didn't do any formal training to get Simon off the leash and stay within sight of me. I, and this is a question I get a lot of, do I worry that he's going to go run off? Um, I, there, you know, I think the only time that that's a major concern is if it's nighttime and, 
and if he would run off and that's actually why i designed a harness for him that has blinking lights on it so that if he was to do that i could see him um but usually when we're outside he's really good about staying right in my eyesight and if he does go out of my eyesight i'll immediately um bring him back to where i am so yeah generally i there there's sometimes he might see a butterfly or a lizard that he runs after Mm -hmm. and um but usually he stays pretty close that's actually quite cute that he gets distracted like that (laughs) Um, do you for example if I was to take my cat off leash I'd probably have a list of things that I'd think about before I did it so in terms of what kind of area we're in and things like that is that something that you think about is there a list of things that you think about before you take your cat you take Simon off leash Typically, where I take Simon is quite remote, and there's not a lot of people or um, harmful obstacles in the way, like highways or... So uh, when I do let him off leash, it's pretty tame. It's not like I'm letting him off leash in a parking lot and having him run around. And we live up in the mountains and we don't have really any neighbors. So there's really, he, he just has a lot of um, kind of space to move around freely without necessarily obstacles. Um, but if, if there were, uh, if I was to take him to a heavily populated um, park or something, I'm I'd probably be less likely to take them off leash like if there's dogs around and but usually usually it's um all those things are avoided mm, that makes sense I think um one of the big things to take away from that is that it really does depend on where you are and there are things that you think about before you let him off leash and another thing that I saw I was watching the video and to give a bit of background, I'm really bad with skiing. I, you, you'll probably laugh if you ever saw a video of me skiing. And I saw you snowboarding with Simon. And I just thought that was absolutely incredible. How did you um, train him to do that? Is um, Was there anything in particular you did? And also, how do you keep your balance? <laughs> in terms of training him to go skiing or snowboarding or anything, or even mountain biking, it, the, the training has come over time with him balancing on my my back and my shoulders. We have done this so many times, just him on my shoulders, that you eventually, you just know, uh, this, you know exactly how he's moving on your shoulders. And uh, you also just have this, this trust that um, he's not going to... Um, he's not going to just let go. He's really good about hanging on. Uh, and and it's just, it becomes just something where it's almost part of your body and you kind of just know um, how to move in a way that's going to be aligned with his movement. And that's just something over time that you, you kind of understand and, and you know. So when I'm climbing with him, 
I know he's not going to just jump off. Like, I know he's not going to, you know, just fall or anything like that because it's just, you just know, like you can feel his claws and you know, like how, how strong of a hold he has. So I don't recommend, you know, people to just go and do these things with their cat if they've never balanced with their cat before, but it's just, it's a skill that you build over time. An incredible connection that the two of you have that you've been able to read each other and understand that balance. I want to circle back to something which you mentioned earlier, which was regarding animals of prey. So in that sense, you've also got a connection in terms of keeping him safe and sensing where the predators are about. How do you do that when you are in these beautiful places in the middle of nowhere? When we're out in the middle of nowhere, there are definitely risks uh, that can, you know, when you take him out on a hike, um, you're definitely now putting yourself out there to get attacked by a potential predator. Uh, and that, and, and for that reason, I typically don't like to go um, in a, on a hike where there's nobody um, at certain times of the day, like sunset, sunrise, um, just because I, I, I do worry that, you know, a mountain lion could sneak up on us. I think that's really the only thing that I would worry about as a mountain lion. Anything else I don't see as necessarily a threat because, you know, you're not going to get attacked by a coyote or a fox or um, maybe a bear, I guess. But bears aren't, bears aren't, you know, they're not going to try to eat you. Um, so I think mountain lion would be the only thing that I would maybe be concerned of if he's on my shoulder. If he's just wandering a- around the yard, um, you know, you, you maybe maybe there's a, a fox that's kind of creeping up on him. Or um, I, I don't think a coyote, but maybe a fox. Um, and and that's that's why I make sure that he's always within my eyesight. So for those specific reasons. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I'm definitely aware of these potential risks and that is why I always make sure that when he's outside, I'm outside there with him and he's not out there without my supervision, but there have been times where he's gotten outside, um, accidentally and it can be kind of worrisome, (laughs) especially when you're looking for him. Do you find that it's um, difficult to find him in those moments or does he have his favorite place to go? I mean, I have a lot of land for him to explore. So there are, when he, if, if he could get lost, there's a lot of, he could get very lost, let's just say. Um, but thankfully, he always stays within close proximity of the house and he doesn't go off into the deep into the land. So that's great um, because I can always find him. Because um, we find with our two, some like just yet, last, yesterday, I think it was when Daniel got home, Noxie went out the door, which we weren't expecting her to do. And then she kind of had that moment of, oh, I'm outside. What do I do now? I don't know. And she came back in. So some cats are like that as well because they realize they're not supposed to be yeah. going out. <laughs> Simon is not that way. If he yeah. it can be outside, he'll be outside. And, and uh, he doesn't feel bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's cheeky of him. Um, I love that you and Simon travel to so many beautiful places and I imagine that you're constantly going to a new place. Do you have a routine or anything you do to help Simon acclimatise to those new locations or hotels or tents or RVs or anything that you're travelling in? I don't think there's any sort of special sort of comforting process that I take Simon through when we're going to new places. He's so used to traveling and he's so used to going to unfamiliar places that that has become his familiar. So, you know, even just in the places that I've lived in the last couple of years since I've had Simon, we've lived in three different places. And so he's, he's just used to adapting and uh, I am constantly on an, on a, on a weekly basis. I'm constantly taking him over to friends' houses and, around town and and all sorts of different locations so uh, that's just his norm and he's he's very used to that so then on the topic of travel many of our members feel like that you know there's a lot of guilt when they travel without the cats and we know that you do a lot of traveling without your cat as well and we do some travel and even for us we feel that sense of guilt so do you ever feel that guilt and if you do how do you manage it I do feel guilty when I travel, um, but I always make sure that he has a house sitter and and uh, I don't leave Simon alone for more than a couple hours. So I, you know, like I think eight hours is the max amount of time he's left alone. And that's that's usually a very long time. Like I, I, I'd say typically he's only left for maybe two or three hours at a time. So... I'm pretty good about making sure he always is is occupied. Um, I have a team here that helps me out to watch over him if I'm not around and keep keep him company and entertained. Um, and that's why he is such a social cat. And that's also another reason um, he's so used to attention. Uh, and because of that, he's not like other cats in the sense that you can leave him alone. He's so used to the attention that when you do leave him alone for even more than a couple hours, or even if I go outside and I'm and I'm just, you know, within, um, he could be on the balcony in my house and I could be just outside and I can hear him meowing. Um, because he doesn't want to be left in the house by himself, you know, and he wants to come outside too. So um, he does not like to be left alone, not even for a moment. Gosh, um, Simon and Lumos, our boy, have a lot in common. Lumos does that too. I can actually hear him through the window when I'm on the, on the street. Yeah. If he's left at home by himself without um, Noxie. I think um, one thing you brought up is the fact that you have pet sitters and house sitters like that would really help as well. So I think because a lot of people do feel really guilty. And I think that's probably a great way is to make sure that your cat has that interaction is to have those house sitters and pet sitters. So is there a way that you found a pet sitter that um, was able to look after Simon? Because in Australia, pet sitting is still relatively new. And I'm not going to lie, it's something that we haven't tried ourselves. So we're always curious to see how other people found their pet sitter. <laughs> the people that I have watched my watch Simon are my friends. I don't mm-hmm. have random strangers watching Simon. Simon's very valuable to me. Obviously, he's he's priceless. So um, I cannot take any chances. 
And I know there's there's services out there which um, I, I can't recommend any because I've never utilized them. I don't know if I ever will just because I'm very, you know, I look at Simon as my kid and when I just have like some random person watching my kid, no. So, um, you know, I'm very protective over him and anyone that I allow watch him, I have to know really, really well. I think that's really lovely. And I also think it's very lovely that your friends do that too. Like that's really nice of them. Yeah. That's very, very nice for sure. Um, and yeah, I've been lucky when it comes to you know, having someone there to watch him and it, it typically always works out. So thankfully, um, but I don't, I, I don't travel that much without him. I, I try to keep them that at a minimal. I try to take him as much as possible with me. He's a, he's a lucky cat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So speaking of lucky cat, he does some amazing activities and he always looks like a pro. He actually makes me look bad. I think. <laughs> so in the actual moment, though, we know that sometimes, you know, when you're cat exploring, it actually is quite challenging and it's, you know, it can feel like a little bit of a disaster sometimes. It's not all goes to plan. But in hindsight, we laugh and we learn from those experiences. Have you ever had a situation where things have gone bad? And what was it and what did you learn from it? Yeah, different situations can always happen. And one of the things, one of the situations that comes to mind that was quite horrific uh, was a couple summers ago and and I, it was we we're on a hike shooting uh, for a project and we were in uh, Kansas uh, in the middle of the US on a hot humid day and on the middle of the hike Simon was really o- overheated I mean the humidity was just so so hot and and um, I basically turned my head for a second. He was off leash, was grabbing my stuff to pack up, and um, he was gone. And and I and then where we were was was a field of just low shrub shrubs in all directions. So um, the just the possibility of finding him was at that moment quite slim. And um, I remember the feeling was a feeling of just sheer panic. And as every second went by, my panic grew because I was just assuming the worst that, uh, that, I wouldn't find him that he would overheat and die out here. And, um, and, and I didn't know how to find him because it would, there's just so much shrubs everywhere. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that lasted for almost an hour. Wow. And I didn't have service and, oh gosh, it was such a, such an awful, um, experience. Um, and so I, Turns out that um, how I did end up finding him was I got on um, my hands and knees and and started crawling around the the shrubs around me and just by luck he was right next he was actually really close to where I was um, but I was running up and down the hillside looking for him um, on the trail and and when I it wasn't until I started crawling 
um, right where I had lost him that I discovered he was, you know, getting some shade under a shrub. And so that that's probably one of the, the, the most close call situations I've ever had with him in any adventure. Otherwise, it's been pretty s- smooth. Wow, that's still quite a scary one. I can't imagine that feeling that you had in that hour or so before you found him. But such a good idea to get down on your um, arms and legs and crawl to because that's exactly what he would have done, and that would have made it a well, lot that's easier. What he did. Yeah. That's what he did. Yeah. I had to, I had to, you know, pretend to be him to know how he. I mean, that's basically what I was doing. I was literally like kind of um, recreating the crime scene and mm-hmm. figuring out you know, based on his tracks, like, you know, where would he have gone? Mm. So I have to ask, have you ever thought of getting a tracker for him? I've definitely thought about getting a tracker for for Simon. The ones that I have seen so far have been quite um, not great. They're usually Bluetooth trackers. And that's not going to be helpful for me at all, because typically Bluetooth is only um only works up to a certain range and yeah i haven't found those to be helpful at all <laughs> mm-hmm. so the we were actually like looking to develop one like a like a gps tracker um but i i still haven't found a good one yet mm-hmm. and but that's definitely something that um would be so essential if uh, if we ever get ourselves in a situation again in the wilderness where I can't find them. Mm, definitely. I think um, I've seen a few Bluetooth ones and they're quite big, like on the neck and um, the ones that I've seen anyway. And I think there's a few others out there as well. But yeah, it'd be really cool if you could develop one. That would be amazing. Yeah. So JJ, we're coming up towards the end of the podcast. And before we finish up, we always ask our guests the final four questions. The first one being, what is one piece of advice you'd give to new cat explorers? As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, a really important step for any feline owner that wants to train their cat is you can you have to feed your cat in meals and portions. You cannot feed a uh, free feed your cat, and that is. That is such an important thing because you really need to develop that connection and that bond with your cat. And uh, if you if you just keep food out there and they can eat anytime they want, what ends up happening is you lose a sort of you won't you in a lot of ways you can lose connection with your own cat. And um, I I know it's kind of like my fish feeder on my aquarium. Um, The more things that are automatic in your house, the more that you can forget about them. And you don't want to forget about your cat. You know, you don't want it to be so on autopilot that you just start to forget about feeding him and feeding her. And um, so I think it's so important to always feed your cat and and make your and even make your and if you can make your meals for your cat. Uh, I with Simon, I um I make a lot of his meals. Uh, he likes to have smoked salmon in the mornings. 
I'll give him ahi tuna at night. He likes shrimp, calamari. I mean, he 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 really loves seafood. So I so a lot of times when I mean I shouldn't say a lot of times all the time when I'm eating he eats with me because he thinks his my food is his food. So I usually give him a little portion of my food every time I'm eating. Um, and I try to eat a diet that a cat could eat as well. Um, so my my diet's mainly seafood because of Simon. <laughs> so, <that> was, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I yeah, I, food is is the first is definitely the first step when it comes to becoming a cat explorer. Because once you have a connection with your cat, you can get your cat to do quite amazing things. And um, you know, a lot of people think. Oh, I'm going to get a cat because they're low maintenance and I can just kind of set it and forget it. Um, but that's a that's a really bad stereotype. And I feel like that that leads to many cats being abused um, because neglect is a form of abuse. And, um, you know, maybe some cat owners don't think of neglect as uh, abuse, but it really is. Um, you know, your cat requires not only food and shelter, but love and attention. So, you know, you really want to make sure you're giving your cat a lot of attention and, um, you know, dogs, um, might be notorious for more maintenance, but these, I, I do find that cats need just as much attention as dogs do. So, um, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna get a cat, um, you know, be prepared to, um, to have the time to, to give love and attention to your cat. And if you don't have the time to give to your cat, then you shouldn't have a cat. <laughs> you shouldn't have a pet period. It's really interesting you say that. Um, I've got a few friends who've got some newborn babies, as in human babies, and they, they've they spent time with us and Lumos and Noxie, and they say looking after Lumos and Noxie sometimes is like looking after their babies, like the amount of effort that we put into trying to enrich their lives and keep them happy as well. So they're definitely not low maintenance. Yeah. <laughs> So what's been the most entertaining comment someone has said to you while you've been out and about with Simon? In terms of like entertaining comments that I get with Simon, I think mainly it's just head turners. You know, they look twice and they, and then like, is that a cat on your shoulder? And that's usually catching them by guard. Um, and are catching them off guard usually is when they have to turn their head and see that there is something on my shoulder, but they're not quite sure what it is. And I, I, I would say like the typical comment is um, just how did you get your cat to stay on your shoulder? And um, and usually they always will be like, oh, you know, my cat Muffy would never do that. Like they would, my cat would scratch me to death before she ever let me take her out so it's, it's usually people comparing their own cats to simon and in awe because maybe their cat wouldn't do that is usually what we hear so speaking of other cats which cat explorers inspire you i'm trying to figure out a way to answer that without um without saying we have any favorites out there uh keeping kind of a neutral stance yep. Um, I would say when it comes to other cat explorers, it would be cats that are in our, um, field in terms of like what they're, 
doing and and how they're making this a career so um you know i i, I know very little about a lot of these cats but i'm gonna i'm just gonna throw out there maybe suki cat um is one of our uh favorites in in terms of like who we, who we kind of aspire to be just in terms of the photography and and adventures but um, I think for the most part, Simon and I are, we're kind of pioneering our own sort of, uh, niche in, in the cat world. And, um, you know, we're, we're going about it at our own unique angle. And I think that's kind of important with any sort of cat explorer is just find your area of expertise and what you excel in and just go for it. I agree. And I think that's with anything in life as well is find what you're good at and keep going with it as well. So what product, service or program has been a game changer for Simon? I think for Simon, products that have been super helpful are ones that make our own lives more um, just convenient and uh, like and that, that can be with automatic litter boxes that can be helpful and um higher quality types of food every every once in a while we'll come across like a new type of wet food that we really like um but we do try to change up our dry food our our wet food quite a bit um and keep the diet always fresh and and alive and then i would just say just all his his costumes and clothing that's always um we're always testing out new clothes and and new fashions and that's that definitely keeps things entertaining and spicy so um <laughs> y- yeah and and uh we're also developing our own products right now too so uh i think combination of all of those just try out and, and test new things all the time jj thank you so much for joining us today We've had so much fun chatting to you, and it's been a little mini milestone where we've had three chemical engineers on the podcast. Yeah, it's the first time ever. <laughs> Not well, that JJ yeah. and I work in chemical engineering anymore. <laughs> well, it shows up in other areas of our lives, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So where can we find you and Simon online? Uh, you can find my cat and I on Instagram at my Instagram, which is JJ Yosh and Simon's Backpacking Kitty. And that goes for TikTok and YouTube and Twitter and Facebook as well. So JJ Yosh for me and Simon Backpacking Kitty. Awesome. I did spend quite a bit of time on TikTok going through Simon's um, videos the other day. <laughs> so what we'll do is we'll put those links and any other links we've spoken about today in the show notes, which will be available at catexplorer.co forward slash podcast. You can also get to that by pressing the episode description on your podcast app. Thank you so much for listening today. Did you know awesome. that leaving a review for the Cat Explorer podcast help continue this podcast? The reviews help us find sponsors and they help fund this podcast. So it would mean the world to us if you could leave a review wherever you listen. And we'll read it out on a future episode. Thank you so much for being a part of the Cat Explorer community. That's it for today. We'll catch you next time. In the meantime, enjoy giving your kitty the world. <laughs>